Welcome to the Legally Speaking Podcast. You are now listening to Season 7 of the show. I'm your host, Rob Hanna. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by the phenomenal Kush Birdie. Kush is the co-founder and managing partner of Birdie & Co Solicitors, a boutique law firm in London and Essex. Kush was a trainee solicitor at Aiken Palmer and has served as the head of corporate and commercial at Grant Shaw Solicitors. Prior to this, he was a solicitor at Clayman & Co Solicitors and Lawbridge Solicitors too. Kush has a wealth of experience across multiple practice areas. He is now dedicated to delivering a client-centered service at Birdie & Co, ensuring clients have access to trusted legal advisors for life. With that in mind, a very warm welcome, Kush. Hi, Rob. How are you doing? You all right? Great to be here. I'm very, very well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. I was speaking off air about how much I'm loving what you're doing and where the firm's going. But before we get into all of that and all your amazing projects and experiences, we have a customary icebreaker question here on the Legally Speaking podcast, which is on the scale of one to 10, 10 being very real, what would you rate the hit TV series Suits in terms of its reality of the law if you've seen it? Wow, I have seen Suits and I went through quite an obsession phase actually of watching it and then wanting to be in it and then thinking, am I in it or am I not in it? On a scale of one to 10, wow, that is a tough one. I'd probably say, I mean, there's definitely drama in the, yeah. the suit series. And there's definitely drama in the legal sector with the work that we do. Whether it is that dramatic and that, let's say, tactical, if that's the right word to use, I'm not sure it goes that far. So it might be a dis- bit disappointing there. But th- I think there are some similarities. So I'd probably give it maybe like a six, but I'd probably give it a six overall. Okay, that's that's a fair fair score, and you've justified it very well in typical legal fashion. And with that, we'll move swiftly on to talk all about you. So I spoke very, very briefly some headlines in the intro, but I'd love for you, Kush, to tell our listeners more about your sort of background and your career journey. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I moved down to London, where we practice now, in 2013. So just over 10 years ago, it's, it's gone in a flash. And um, I I always wanted to be, I had this dream of being a commercial litigator. And um, so when I was doing my training, I did a lot of commercial litigation work. And I had this dream of working in London, which I managed to achieve, which was great. Loved it. And then my career developed as I went to different firms into more of transactional corporate law, which is also good. And, And in the back of my mind, I always... As I got to a few years qualified, I always thought whether I would in the future set up my own law firm, but it, it wasn't quite clear, but I was quite attracted to having kind of a broad practice range. So yeah. combining litigation work with transactional work and, and learning bits and bobs and literally just, I just used to read everything to be fair, a bit, bit like a geek, but I did have, <laughs> I did have a, a life outside work as well. I always had this, I don't know, I always had this thing in the back of my mind of, oh, maybe I will set up my own law firm. I'm not sure though, I don't know. And I think... Throughout my legal career, I've learned a lot about myself because lawyers tend to be risk of, quite risk averse, possibly not, yeah. not very entrepreneurial. I don't know if that's right or wrong. Maybe that's it's different now, of course. But I never really thought of myself like that. But then when I started becoming a bit more senior and generating a lot of work and coming up with lots of ideas, I started seeing this kind of creative side of myself and more entrepreneurial side, which I thought, oh my God, like, what am I? like? And then... <laughs> yeah. And then I just started getting a little bit fed up with the, the, the law firms out there that are very stuffy and impersonal and, 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 and I'm quite, quite like that attention to detail in terms of the customer experience and soft skills. I'm a big fan of those. And I'd never really found uh, a firm 
that I'd, that I'd worked at that really embraced all of that kind of stuff and it was very sort of traditional um, and I really started to question whether I was on the right trajectory in the legal career I, st- I wanted to be in law but it, going the traditional route of being a lawyer p- maybe pigeonholed into a department becoming a, uh, a salaried partner and an equity partner and um, that being and then you're an equity partner having to buy in and then you're in business with people that you didn't necessarily want to be in business with anyway long story short I kind of got to the stage where I thought I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a, take a leap here and I, I think I can give it a good crack, but I'll never know if I don't do it. Uh, and so in 2021, uh, in September 2021, uh, I launched the firm. Uh, it was just me initially and now we're a team of seven, which is which is good. And we're, at the moment, I'd say we're experiencing growing pains and it's going great. Yeah. Um, so we're just ma- navigating through that. And, and that's like really sort of the journey that I've been on over the past years, really. Um, so, and I think now that the broad practice area, just going back to my early stage career, the broad practice uh, knowledge and expertise is, is actually really starting to benefit me now in, in in our own firm. So, so that is great. So, I think to to any sort of lawyers or aspiring law aspiring lawyers out there who are wondering what area they want to be in, they don't necessarily have to commit to an area. Actually, having a broad knowledge can be really great, even if you don't end up practicing that area in the future. Yeah, and I think you give some really good advice and also talking about your own experiences as well and, and sort of wanting to carry on with something. So many people have an idea or an itch, but you actually went that stage and, and set up your business. We're going to talk about more in a moment. But I want to sort of go back a little bit just to find out where law, you mentioned commercial litigator, you had this idea, but where was the initial interest stem for in terms of wanting to be in the law? Oh, that, that is a tough one. I think, um, you know, I can try and come up with a sophisticated answer for that. Um <laughs> I think <laughs> probably when I was deciding, you know, with university, et cetera, et cetera, probably back in 2007, choosing a law, this is a really weird bit of information, right? I used to think that the law was literally a list of laws and um, yeah. that you, there was this like huge book or something like that, or encyclopedia <laughs> of laws that just had a list of laws yeah. in. And then I thought, well, I've got a really good memory. Got a photographic memory, and I thought I can remember all those laws. Uh, that should be okay. Maybe I'd be good at that. Uh, and to be honest, it's it's not more sophisticated than that. To be fair, and you know, I was encouraged by my parents to go down professional route as well, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I guess it is more about you know that was probably an influence I would say too. And then when I that's probably the influence of, of going into law. But it's only when I actually started studying law when I thought, oh my god, there's more to it than this. And actually, it captured my interest even more because there was. A lot of you know analysis and critical thinking and things aren't quite certain and uh, that really actually sparked my interest you know 10 times and here we are today you know running your own firm and you touched on it before but i want to sort of give us a bit of that history from sort of september 2021 because there were people out there that absolutely resonated what you said before that probably you know, need that pushing over the bridge. I use the analogy to then go up and set up their own law law firm. So, you know, give us the the good, the bad, the ugly of the journey so far in terms of building uh, Birdie and Co. Yeah, I mean, I think the most difficult thing is obviously where we are now. We're a team of seven. We're we're on a growth trajectory, which is which is the good. Um, it involves a lot of work. It really, really does. And I think that that you know what you. It's really what you put into it is, is uh, dictates what you're going to get out of it. Broadly speaking, of course, there's other factors that are outside of control as well. But I think that the hardest thing is that everything is prospective. What I mean by that is when you leave employment for the first time ever to set up your own business, 
you 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 don't know how it's going to be. You don't know if clients are going to work with you. You don't know if you had success at previous firms because of those firms or because of you. And then you talk to people about, oh, I've got this thought or I'm planning this and I'm planning that. And people pass comments or how are you going to do that? Or you know, what about this? What about that? Someone else, I remember someone telling me, um, don't do it. It's more hassle than it's worth. Um, watch this space <laughs> there. Um, but um <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and you kind of, you have to build up so much, try to build up so much courage to actually make that step and make that judgment to say, okay, I'm going to do this. And you're putting a lot on the line. And um, and then obviously when people are doubting you, it makes it a bit harder. Um, I think the other sort of ugly part was, I guess, departing from employment and maybe leaving you, leaving a firm that maybe you actually quite enjoyed being a part of and, and maybe the feeling of letting people down. Uh, I kind of went through that process yeah. of my old firm when... Or something I'm saying I'm leaving, etc. You don't want to let people down, so you've got this tension between I really want to give this a go, I really think I can give it a good shot. I don't want to let these people down. These people are doubting me, um, and you know how long how how long is uh, my money going to last for as well? And so you've got that kind of financial aspect as well. So yeah, that's really really tough. And then of course you you put your blood, sweat, and tears into it because you kind of have to and want to, and then. Yeah, I mean, you're just having to navigate everything. I think every day is different and you're just constantly trying to do the best, um, especially when you're running a team as well. Leading a team is also difficult. That's good. And it can be ugly at times as well. You know, I, I love working as part of a team, though. You know, I much prefer working sort of with a team, with colleagues, with staff. Um, the, the collective success is so much more rewarding than just, in my opinion, being like a solo practitioner and doing the work, which of course many people will prefer as well, which is fine. I love that team aspect. I think maybe because it's more difficult to kind of do overall, in my opinion, um, and so then it becomes more rewarding as well. So, yeah, I mean, there's a few bits there that, that maybe you'd want to. I don't know if, if you want to delve into certain bits of that. Well, I, I think it would be good to talk about um, that sort of, you know, scaling, because I think a lot of people, you know, you've mentioned, obviously, you've started, then you've got up to seven people, you've touched on sort of growing pains, um, you know, that's inevitable as any business is sort of moving forward. So, you know, how are you navigating through that? And also just tell us a bit about sort of the areas that you specialize in as a firm, um, because I think there'll be some good lessons uh, in there for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Birdie & Co., pretty much uh, exclusively acts for business owners, entrepreneurs, founders, high net worth individuals, et cetera, et cetera, across a, a range of practice areas. But our core areas are corporate law, mergers and acquisitions, which is essentially buying and selling companies or restructuring your, your company groups, et cetera. Um, commercial property work, buying and selling buildings, office lease, warehouse lease, these kinds of things. Um, and uh, some dispute resolution work too. So bringing that commercial litigation background into it, usually from a corporate context, like shareholders disagreements, you know, business partners falling out, that type of thing. That's broadly yeah. sort of our main areas, but we act in a number of different sectors as well. So we do a lot in the childcare and nursery sector. We do a lot now in the dentistry sector um, and a range of other sectors. So that's in terms of what we do. And then in terms of, I guess, the, the growing pains that, that uh, you, you mentioned, yeah. uh, how do we navigate all of that? That's a good question. <laughs> but I think, to be honest with you, when you've got the team and the scaling, scaling growing, the growing pains of trying to scale 
a law firm. What what I think that someone like myself as the leader has to be fully aware of is that the team have to be as clear as possible on what the processes are, the policies are, the pra- what our practices are and how we operate because every firm is different. You know, money laundering processes, et cetera, is obviously I'm not going to go into that as a topic, but we've been working, you know, I think I've spent about 10 straight days just working on our processes to make sure that, you know, as we are growing and scaling, that the team are clear on what the processes are, all our, they're all up to date and they're all clear and they allow me to have oversight. And, and yeah, it's just really, really difficult and trying to, trying to guess what people think is clear. Um, I guess, obviously we do have, you know, yeah. we do take feedback from them and all that uh, from the team and work together to build it, but it's very hard. To, to to do but it's about constant evolution and that's the beauty of it in terms of the journey growing pains are obviously in the today i'm having growing pains is stressful but the overall it is very very rewarding because when you see things come into fruition and and you're like oh wow we worked so hard on that it's just, just the most rewarding thing especially as part of a team and I think there's some really good messaging in there. I think the first thing is if you set up a business and have a real mission and a goal, then, you know, and you're really passionate about it, then really this is just part of the journey, isn't it? You know, you want to get there. So you're going to knock down walls to make it happen. And you've clearly got that in terms of, you know, this is just part of the journey. And another key point, which I think is super important you talked about is processes because you can bring in the best people and the best teams, but if you don't have the right systems in place, then actually you're probably not operating as efficiently and that can actually lead to size silos or it can lead to a negative culture and all of these things so whilst it does take time energy and effort to set the processes up maybe on the front end longer term you're going to be way more efficient so i think it's a really good lesson a really good share and i want to talk more about sort of you know your journey and how you've built up to where you've got to because i absolutely see the firm continuing to go from strength to strength um absolutely and i love everything you're doing i'm going to talk about sort of modern media as well on social media in a bit but you know what skills do you think you've picked up along the way from your sort of head of corporate and commercial roles, your solicitor roles and in different legal environments before that you've now implemented into to Birdie and Co specifically? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. Um, in terms of skills that I've picked up, I would say, I guess working with different kinds of people is always really, really important. I always talk yeah. to my team about soft skills, interpersonal skills, communication skills. And, you know, it could be as small as I know this person likes to work like this, therefore, when I allocate instructions to them or whether I ask them a question, I'm going to ask them in this way. Um, and those aren't those kinds of skills aren't written down anywhere to say this is the skills you should have. They're kind of just, but they, they are things you can develop. And I think, uh, as I said, I always talk to my team, these soft skills can be applied anywhere in life. And I always say one of the most important things that you can build are your soft skills whether you're at Birdie Co or any other firm or, or anywhere in life outside of work, those soft skills are going to benefit you. And I think working at pre- other firms, as, as you mentioned, I've sort of picked up those um, along the way, on, along the years, and even before heading into law as well at previous roles in, you know, I used to work at Subway when I was 16 and the, some of the skills that I learned there are what I'm applying now um, of working with different types of people. And I think that, that that's definitely a key one. Um, I think, uh, I guess, business development and networking skills is something that you do learn because it's really, really important, I believe, to pick the strengths from other people that you work with. Maybe everybody's got weaknesses as well and to try and learn as much as possible from others. So I've I've made sure that I've been trying to do that along the way at different firms that I've been at uh, and 
um, and uh, apply that to you know in the way that I interpret is the right way uh, to to things like business development and, and and marketing. Everybody's different, so some people love to go into a room full of people and approach everyone and have a nice drink and all that kind of stuff, which is absolutely fine. People have a lot of success doing that. I've done that and tried that as not my preference. I like the more intimate one-on-one coffees or this kind of thing, but I do prefer in-person networking. So I think it's just, a, yeah. sometimes you don't actually know what skills you're picking up along the way. And you only think in hindsight, you think, oh, I remember that time two years ago that taught me, you know, this lesson or whatever. But so I think working with people is, is the main thing. And you learn from clients as well, to be fair. You learn from clients because at the end of the day, we predominantly work well, exclusively work with business owners, really, end of the day. And I'm a business owner. So over the years, you learn from the clients that you interact with. So, And that's amazing. <laughs> it's an amazing opportunity because working with all different types of businesses in different sectors, you can learn. So there's some of the processes that we implement in our law firm are maybe things that I've picked up from a client or, or someone else in a completely different sector. So those are some, some good ones that I would, I would pick out. Yeah, yeah, again, really, really good good examples. I want to talk about leadership because I speak very openly about my journey to my community about, you know, my late grandfather who ran his own law firm, set it up from nothing and, you know, was able to build a really great um, community offline in those days back in the day. And I'm obviously trying to emanate that in the modern world on, in the online, but staying connected. But I love the point that you talked about sort of soft skills and stakeholder management, really what you're talking about in terms of internal, external, really important skills. Um, where did you get that sort of inspiration for wanting to become a, a sort of, you know, a, a leader, a, a law firm owner, and then tell us more about Birdie & Co and this sort of client-centered law firm, because there's a real synergy there, particularly with our sponsor, Clio, that, you know, Jack Newton wrote a book specifically around that, and it's something very passionate to them. So, yeah, just tell us a bit more about, about that, your inspiration for sort of becoming a leader and, and the heart and DNA of your firm about being client-centered. Absolutely, yeah. So in terms of becoming a leader, I think... I think what I've experienced, I mentioned before what I've experienced at different law firms and how I think that it, I have certain views on, you know, the traditional route in a law firm and how maybe traditional firms aren't necessarily operating in the best way in terms of the processes and in terms of the way they approach clients and in terms of the, of the way they retain clients in the terms of the way they try to motivate staff, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I always had views when I was at previous firms and felt that perhaps leadership at other firms hadn't necessarily taken business views on things and it was just kind of like oh this is how we do it so as an example targets for lawyers or or, I mean we won't even get into charging you know the the, the method of charging and hourly rates and all that we won't get into that got certain views on that but in terms of just generally targets and how they're usually purely financial so then that discourages any non-financial type of behaviors i mean one of the things that frustrated me was um other firms was the fact that cross-selling to other departments wouldn't necessarily be incentivized or rewarded but i did that quite a lot so it it makes you think like okay i can probably do a uh i could probably implement my ideas by becoming a leader myself uh, and 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 actually uh honoring my own views being a lawyer by implementing them into my own firm, which is what I've I've done, but on the kind of employer side, from but but trying to think from my old perspective, you know, from the other side of it, uh, being the lawyer in the 
department or whatever. Um, so that that definitely in, in, inspired me to be uh, a leader, I suppose, because then it allows me to express my views in the way that that I interpret them and and get and, and feel rewarded in that way. And then in terms of the uh, Birdie and Co as a firm being client centered, well, I think I mean everything is about the client. I know so many businesses say that, but one of the reasons why we have grown how we've grown, in my opinion, is that we're passionate and everything we do is about passion and enthusiasm and energy. And I think that clients are attracted to that. Clients are attracted to that. They, they, I mean, some of the feedback I get is they want to work with us because of our energetic stance and how passionate we are, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, it comes down to think even basic things like who wants the work the most. Sometimes you might get the work because, Oh, they seem to want it the most. Like, Let's give it to them, and and, yeah. and I think that that kind of energy is attractive, and clients clients enjoy that. So as long as you've got a vested interest in their matter, I mean, the amount of times that we come across other law firms that aren't aware of their own clients' information that we're, as in their, their circumstances that we're aware of, I think response times are so important as well. So our response times, I would say, are impeccable. We don't have like a, a formal policy of you will have a reply within twenty four hours or anything like that. Probably a good idea, but. You know, we do that anyway, and, and, and clients know that if they're going to they call us, we're going to answer the phone. Or if we don't, if I'm in this podcast, for example, and a client's call me, I'll probably just call them straight after. Um, and uh, I think that accessibility is, is a key uh, part of our success as well, um, going over and beyond. It's not all about, okay, how much have you charged or how much is this client going to pay or whatever. Um, First and foremost, we want to get the job done. Of course, yes, we need to be profitable, but we're taking a long-term view here and we want to change the way that lawyers are perceived. Lawyers can be perceived as a source of frustration, source of um, a barrier to achieving a certain transaction or a certain um, a goal. And sometimes that's because the lawyer themselves maybe doesn't have a business mind if, if they're acting for a business. Um, and they don't appreciate that that contract that you're about to draft is key to their business. And they've spent five years trying to get to this point. And, yeah. you know, uh, that's really, really important. So we understand that. And we ask those questions um, when we're working with our clients. So we can understand the importance and, and we can say, we can take a view here rather than being sticky on, on all these legal points. But I know, I know, uh, I know that I've sort of it's a bit of a long, longer answer, um, but these are issues that I am passionate about, and and the things that sometimes frustrate me about the way the lawyers are perceived, and that's what we want to try to change. And I think you are doing a good job with that. And I think you know I always say everything is energy, right? And I think this is why firms like yours that you know are coming in that are deeply passionate, you know, caring, you know, flexible, meeting clients where they're at in modern day business transactions, the way that things need to be done. Um, you know, there's real appetite. And I think the lazy lawyer, you know, is not going to win. You know, ultimately, people want to be working with light and right minded people that have got their vested interests and, and generally care. And like you say, um, you know, ultimately, of course, you're, we're in business with for profit businesses, but when they see the value, and they love the relationship, and getting all of this from you then it's a far easier conversation when it comes to that sort of you know the financial piece so no i i love that time for a short break from the show 
Are you still relying on spreadsheets to manage your legal matters? There's a better way to work. Our sponsor, Clio, is the cloud-based legal software that will transform the way your law firm operates. They offer legal practice management and client onboarding software that doesn't cost the earth. In fact, from as little as £49 per month, you can cut out all of those tedious admin tasks that you dread doing each week, each month. Automate the boring stuff, free up more time for the important stuff, that's what you get with Clio. Your clients will thank you for it, your bank account will thank you for it, your colleagues will thank you for it, and you can even thank me later for telling you all about it. So head to clio.com forward slash legally speaking to see how Clio can help you. That's C-L-I-O dot com forward slash legally speaking. Now back to the show. I want to talk a bit about some of the um, commentary you've shared because you've shared empathy combined with a warm and approachable nature are as important as delivering top quality technical work. Why do you believe empathy is at the core of building client relationships? Well, firstly, just to address the, the point about technical work, clients expect lawyers to be technically good. You know, there's, no, there's, no point, yeah. there's no point being just technically good. You need to be more than that to be a good lawyer, successful lawyer in the modern world. So technically good is, okay, well, you should be technically good. In terms yeah. of empathy, et cetera, well, I mean, this is kind of linking to soft skills as well, you know, so I think... Being a lawyer, in my opinion, is about building relationships. And if you're going to, if any lawyer is going to succeed in their career and, and in business, then they're going to have to connect with their clients to maintain relationships. So what, and that is why empathy is important. So when we're um, interacting with our clients, we have to put ourselves in their shoes. That doesn't mean we have to, you know, accept everything our client says or, change our business approach or model just because our client wants us to or change our pricing model just because of, but it, what it does mean is, well, let's look at it from their point of view first and foremost. It could be pricing. It could be, you know, clients that maybe are, that want pricing certainty and they're not getting that because you're just saying, well, I don't know, the cost might be X, it might be Y, who knows? If I was to go and buy an iPhone off the shelf um, and I was told, oh, the price is it's around this much, but it might be that much. Um, depends on how long it takes us to get it from the storeroom to the till and, and, and how long it takes us to ring it through. Then, you know, that's not very, I wouldn't buy it. That might be a bit of a, a crude example, but it is relevant. And I think that we have to start thinking like this with our clients, especially, you know, as law firms, we're thinking about the economy. We're thinking about interest rates. We're thinking about what's going to happen, increased regulation, what's happening in other countries and, and how that's affecting us. Our clients are thinking the same thing. So it's yeah. not all about us. And I think that the, the maybe like traditional firms or the set, the industry as a whole think sometimes maybe are guilty of thinking that, you know, we're the only ones that have regulations and we're the only ones that have this, um, you know, I talked about reputation, about being uh, um, barriers, barriers to, to completing transactions or something like that. Um, but it, other sectors have the same thing. So um, being empathy about other people their businesses, their, their, their matters. And um, it is very, very important because honestly, it, we're all human beings as well. So at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a human being and you know, you're a human being and my client is a human being and, and empathy is, a, is, a, is part of what life should be. It should be part of everyone's values, baseline values, you know? 
I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think that's just really well said. And I, I say this countless times on the show, you know, we've moved away from the traditional B2B and B2C, which people traditionally would say in terms of service providing or selling. It's it's H to H, it's human to human, right? It's building that connection and, and, and those relationships. And I just love the way that you're sort of, you know, your mind works as a, as, as a leader, as well as a lawyer. And that's the main thing as well, when you move into these sort of roles, because obviously you need to work on your business as well as in your business, particularly at the early stages. And I think you've really combined the two very well. Um, so I wanted to talk more around some of the things that you're you're further passionate about, which um, you're a believer of the philosophy infectious enthusiasm. So what's the meaning behind this for you? In fact, the, the phrase infectious enthusiasm comes down to this. It comes down to everything we do on a day-to-day basis. If we just go about it with positivity, a good attitude, we, we bring the energy, we bring the passion, um, that is going to draw people in to you as a, as, a, as a human, whether that is in the form of just having a chat or whether that's in the form of uh, client you know, referrals, work, um, whatever it may be, not even in a work context, just having positive interactions with family. Um, I think that it's infectious. So it, 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 it rolls on to another person. And I think that's a really good way just, really, if, if possible, to make the world just a better place, you know, by, by bringing those qualities and, and, and not being, I suppose, the opposite of those, which is negative and uh, not enthusiastic and pessimistic and all of that. It's just going to ruin your day. So, um, and your client's day as well. So, uh, <laughs> and, and, and empathy is within that as well. So in summary, really what it's about is if you're passionate about what you do and, you, and, you, and, and that's how you approach your day every day that's going to only bring opportunities and open doors and and that's what birdie and co is about and and again i i really like where you're you're going with that because i talk a lot about radiators and drains and like your um your circle of influence because you are very influenced by the people around you and if you've got people that drain your energy or like you say with that negativity that can really be detrimental to your own sort of self-development how you grow as a professional the types of circles and things and actions you take whereas you're around people that are radiators that really bring out the best in you and bring all that energy that you talk about it's um it's changing it's life-changing and that's why again we talk a lot about mentors the importance of them on the show um but i want to talk about the word boutiques it gets a bit of a hard rep but i i have always said boutique is beautiful because i believe if you're a boutique firm you can be more nimble you can be more agile you can go at things and you can be in your own sort of little world as a little boutique but i want to get your view how do you see the role of boutique law firms if you even like that expression evolving in the legal industry in comparison to the more traditional law firms well it's it's a great question it's a really great question and and you actually took the the, the main word out of my mouth which is nimble uh, I use that word all the time and it's a way, it's actually one of the words I use to try and uh, win work, you know, because you know, that, yeah. that is actually uh, when you're up against sort of larger firms or established firms. My view of boutique law firms is that, I mean, it's really funny actually, because I just had a uh, an article come out with LexisNexis about how it's a, a golden opportunity uh, for smaller law firms now to delight clients and obviously boutique um law firms is part of that uh i don't i wouldn't say i have a definition of boutique uh law firms but we are talking about the smaller law firms that that um maybe have uh founder law firms maybe founder law firms might be another word for it perhaps i don't know um but i think they have a huge place in the market and i think that it's not i think 
there should be a lot more boutique law firms. I think that the, the traditional route of going to a large, larger, more institutional type firm is not the most attractive way anymore to, to a, uh, yeah. a rewarding and successful legal career. Um, many people might disagree with that, but I truly believe that lawyers can be entrepreneurs and should be entrepreneurs. And that is, of course, something that you wouldn't think, you wouldn't connect those words together sort of 10 years ago, I don't think, lawyer and entrepreneur necessarily, I'm not sure. Um, but I think that that, that is uh, something that is gonna grow. And I think is a beautiful thing in the, in the sector. And I think there should definitely be more people looking to you know find their entrepreneurial side and mix that with their legal skills so uh, and and we can be more nimble and we can be more adaptable and even with things the likes of i don't know if you're planning to come onto this but the likes of ai and sort of legal tech yes i suppose larger law firms more traditional law, law firms that are established perhaps have more resource maybe to invest into legal tech and ai and all that kind of stuff but they're also probably a lot, perhaps, slower. So if I wanted to do an AI project tomorrow, I could decide that and do it, subject to my, I mean, there's 24 hours in a day, so time might be an issue and <laughs> we'd have to look at resource. But um, we could make the decision and we could roll it out and, and boutique law firms can do that. And that's a real opportunity, especially over the next, I would say, 10 years, even five years at the pace that we're going at, um, to really, really get ahead. So boutique law firms should be using that to their advantage to get ahead yeah. in the market. And the gap between, you know, the amount of times that we get work from clients that previously instructed larger city firms and they've come to us because of the, you know, the infectious enthusiasm and because we can be more nimble, because we can get a quote to them within an hour sometimes or something like that. And, 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 you know, I had a call, I think it was a few weeks ago where I think we secured some work and they, they found us from Google and we were, I think we were fifth on the list or something like that. And they said, you're the first one that actually answered the phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. All four, all four above you on, they're all above you on Google, but they didn't answer the phone. <laughs> so, um, I think it's a really good point though. I think, you know, you talk a lot about, um, you know, communication and, you know, be being present and, you know, all of the stuff that, you know, it should be a given. But, you know, I use the analogy of speedboats and oil tankers, right? In the boutique environment, you can be a speedboat, you can turn on a win, you can be quite, you know, uh, available to, to go in a different direction. You've talked a lot about processes and the importance of getting them set up. There isn't layers and layers and layers of red tape to ultimately go through to in, in, in install a process. Or like you say, when it comes to AI, legal technology, which you just have to have in your business to even stay in line with pace, not let alone be ahead of the curve. Um, you know, this is a real chance for you in that sort of speedboat scenario to make that turn quicker. Whereas if you're trying to turn in a massive oil tanker, it can be slow, it can cause problems, and you know, you ultimately lose clients. And you gave a really good case study of that. So let's stay with 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 modern legal services and let's move to sort of marketing and social media because you're doing a fantastic job on the likes of LinkedIn. You've amassed a huge following over 18,000 followers. How are you using social media? Um, to build a personal brand and build your law firm. Just talk us through your sort of social media, in particular LinkedIn journey. Yeah, LinkedIn journey has been a good one. I mean, LinkedIn is the main one for us. Um, I do use Instagram 
and we've done a little bit on TikTok, but it's, it's very hard to do all of them, I think. Um, and our target audience really are, are predominantly based on LinkedIn. So that's where we focus. Yeah. I started posting on LinkedIn, I would say, just before the COVID pandemic. And it was, no one was posting. No one, no one was really posting on LinkedIn back then. Now it's crazy. It's almost turned into Instagram. But yeah. um, I think... It, I think in terms of using social media to to, to uh, generate business or just develop a brand is just about, to be honest, authenticity of showing your 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 journey, um, trying to give value to whoever's there. Really, I mean, over time you get to kind of learn who you're posting to or who's following you. Although it's really strange, actually, and and this is a really good point, and and it really highlights that everybody should be trying to develop their brand i sometimes i'll post you know oh, i did this today or it's wonderful morning today or have a good week motivational type posts or personal journey type posts and you know whatever the statistics on those posts are, are what they are but then i might do okay i'm just going to say oh if you're drafting this type of contract do this and it will be yeah the statistics on it will be really a, a lot lower and a lot the performance will be a lot less than the others, but that might generate me the work. And it's really strange because the conversions that I've had from social media are, I would say, on most occasions, the people that aren't liking my posts, that aren't commenting on my posts or sharing my posts, but they're there. Either they're lurkers or, <laughs> or you know, they've seen you somewhere else, then they've seen you on, on, on LinkedIn or, or something like that. And I think that that's really powerful and people should understand that, that it isn't about likes, not about impressions, not about shares. You just need to be there. You know, if you ha if you opened a, sh a retail shop, you'd have a front, you'd have your front, you'd have your signage and all that kind of stuff. So why don't you have that online? Yes, obviously we've got a website, but everyone's uh, visiting these social media uh, platforms and it's, it's, well, largely free. So why wouldn't you do it? Um, and I think that, 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 yeah, it's really, really powerful. But in terms of how we approach it, I think that we've obviously developed our, our branding and we want to showcase our personality of our firm. And we do, you do need to try to set yourself apart somehow. And that's what we've been trying to do. And then it's all about consistency and it's all about showing up. And, you know, I say this to my team, you know, we have different ways of marketing and obviously social media marketing is just one way, but, I like to be out and about as well and marketing in a different way. And it's about showing up. It's about being places and, and, and you've got to be there to kind of be seen. Yeah. You won't be seen otherwise, in my opinion. Yeah. Con consistency is so important. Like anything, it's discipline, isn't it? You know, and I, I almost want to change social media to, 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 to now it's, it's business media, really. Yeah. You know, it's, um, you know, social media attached to it, but actually, you know, it's so much that can be done for business. You gave great examples there, particularly on LinkedIn, which is the world's largest professional networking site. And like you rightly said, if you're not paying for the product, the likelihood is you are the product, right? So we are all obviously pitching, um, you know, LinkedIn is incentivizing you to post content because they want to bring more eyeballs to the platform. Um, but ultimately, like you say, you share that teaching. I always say, if you want to make money online, um, 
teach, right? You can have followers. It's like, imagine you have a shop and all your friends come into the shop and you've got a shoe shop. Hey, how are you doing? Have great chat. They're never going to buy your shoes, right? It's the people that are actually going to be taking note of the shoes that come in and you actually give them. So look, the reason these are, these, these run in this way and this, 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 and this. Similar to your point about the contract, right? Is when you teach your audience, that's when you build trust and that's when they'll buy. And I think the more consistent you can be with that teaching part of your content, where even if it gets one like, it doesn't matter. Like you say, those lurkers in the back are being taught by you and if you're showing up continuously and continuously eventually they'll buy and that's why it's so important to be present so I, I love the examples you give and we've talked a lot about energy in this um this episode and it's something i'm deeply passionate about but i want to talk about one of your linkedin posts specifically just to go back to this a little bit you highlight the energy we pour into our work passion effort brain power it doesn't just vanish it morphs into something else something tangible. So how can legal professionals ensure the energy they invest into their work leads to lasting and positive changes rather than being quickly absorbed or forgotten, particularly given the statistics we read about mental health and stress within the profession? Yeah, that's a really, really good question because there's always a fine balance, isn't there, between um, pouring your heart and soul into your work and what the uh, effect that might have on your stress levels um, and your mental health, as you say, really, really important topic. It's very important that we all try to manage that as much as we can. And in terms of what people can do or what lawyers can do is, well, first and foremost, obviously they're still going to have to do their work that they need to do, but they need to find a, find an, find an outlet which maybe gets them away from that as well um if, if they possibly yeah. can and everybody will have different ways of doing that some people will maybe just look out the window for 10 minutes or five minutes and and you know i i'm guilty for example of sometimes just i'm always always pushing and i'm always you know even if i've got five minutes i'll be pushing for five minutes um whereas what i've been conscious of trying to just slow down a little bit um just slow down a little bit and i think just things like that can go a long way um i think that I think obviously culture is important in a law firm, but you, to an extent, an individual lawyer can't necessarily control that. So that can be difficult. So other ways is, is I guess, I mean, I try to exercise where, when I can. I don't always get a workout in just because I need to try to be in shape. Sometimes it's just to reduce the stress levels because it can be very stressful. And I'm just going to do something just to burn off those cortisol levels or whatever. And, and I think that you just need to find a way to, to, um, to, to manage that, but it is a balance. Um, and ultimately it, it's, it's hard to strike sometimes. <laughs> I would also say talk, yeah. talk to people as well. Like don't just like, I think one thing to appreciate is that many other people, if not everybody to an extent have the same kind of balancing um, act to, to, to face and everyone's going through it their own issues in, in, in their own way. Um, and so talk, talk to every, talk to others and, and, and be aware of that, uh, make people aware that you know, this is what I'm feeling. And most likely is that someone will say, Oh, I had no idea. Like you just always do so well all the time, but actually because they're yeah. burning themselves out the whole time, um, it's important to talk about it. So I think law firms can, can do that as well. Um, and just talking about it. And you mentioned before, you know, where we're human beings, we're not 
robots. You know, the AI can do that and work 24-7 without, you know, blinking a beat. But, you know, we as humans need to to look after ourselves. And, you know, simple things. Someone said a really great quote to me at an event. I forget who it was. I've never met someone who's felt bad after going for a walk. You know, just go for a walk. You know, it's yeah. amazing. You know, you didn't, oh, I really regretted going on that walk. I feel absolutely terrible for taking 10 minutes out of my day to go and get a bit of fresh air and go on a walk. No, of course, you know, it's little acts like that. Or, you know, like you say, opening up to someone, problem shared, problem halved, all of that good stuff. Like they're not, you know, reinventing the wheel here, but sort of habits like that that can really help you get through particularly challenging points um, can be super helpful. Look, Kush, we've covered a lot of ground in a very short space of time from sort of where you started to where you are now. And I know you've got lots of exciting plans for, for Birdie Cone in the future and i'm really excited to see them um, but i want to finish up by asking you know your, your your last pearls of wisdom what advice would you give to those who are thinking about starting a career in legal in 2024 and what are your advice for people who might be sitting on the fence about setting up a, a law firm yeah really good questions in terms of you know aspiring lawyers i think it's very very i think i'm going to go back to it and just say soft skills work on your soft skills Live outside the comfort zone if you can, because you will thank yourself in the future and your future self deserves it. I was I was told when I was a trainee solicitor to join Toastmasters, which is a kind of like a club to try and improve public speaking, all that kind of stuff. I didn't do it. I wish I had done it now. So had I been uncomfortable yeah. and, and, and uh, had the courage to do that then, which I probably knew I should have been doing, to be fair, I, I would probably be, well, I would be, um, much better at sort of speaking now, which would bring its own opportunities. So I would fo- try to live outside the comfort zone if you can. You're never going to regret it. Uh, well, probably won't. Um, <laughs> and I would also say to aspiring lawyers is to just don't write off any opportunities. Explore as much as you can. Even if you think you want to do this practice area, but you've got this opportunity in another practice area, don't write it off. It's benefited me now. And also, you also find out what you don't, you can really verify what you don't want to do and why. Not just, okay, I don't like property law because I didn't like it when I was at university. Well, actually, go, go and, go and, go and, if you've got an opportunity, go and explore it. And um, you can really verify why you don't want to do that and why you want to do X, Y, and Z. That will help you in interviews as well to explain that, et cetera, et cetera. So it can only be good, in my opinion. In terms of lawyers uh, who wish to, set up their own law firm or thinking about it uh, i i would say similar things to be fair go for it like why not i mean i guess it's easy to say but you know i've done it so the, what the worst that's going to be is that you've not quite got it right and you can go straight back into a role hopefully um and what do they say I think, what do they say, the most common thing that people say when they're sort of elderly or whatever is that they regret what they don't do. And, and I think that's really, really important. That's something that's stuck in my mind over, over the years. Yeah, and I think, again, really good pearls of, of, of wisdom. And I think you don't want to be that person that says one day. You know, one day, one day. Someone said to me, it's day one. Turn the words around, you know, day one. Take yeah. action today. Don't be that one day individual. And you're right, fear kills more dreams than failure ever will, right? You're never going to know unless you get yourself out of your comfort zone and go for it. So, Kush, this has been brilliant. I've really enjoyed learning more about your journey, what you're getting up to, the challenges. It's been truly authentic, which is what we're absolutely craving here on Leagues Being Podcast. Because sometimes we don't have all the answers. And it's the power of community and coming together and speaking and, and sharing that, you know, we can all grow together. 
together. If people want to learn more about your career journey or Birdie & Co, where can they find out more? Feel free to shout out any social media handles. We'll also make sure we share them with this episode for you too. Yeah, great. I mean, the main place you can contact me is most likely to be LinkedIn. So you can just find me Kush Birdie or Birdie & Co Solicitors, which is the company page. Please give us a follow. Really, I, I generally respond to all my messages and comments. So if, if you do want to reach out, please do. That's the main place to contact me. But you can also, if you want to come to our office and say hi, that would be fine as well. We're based in Moorgate. Maybe try and message me in advance so that so that <laughs> so that I'm uh, I'm there. Um, but yeah, it's always great to to meet people and, and see people. I really do enjoy it. And yeah, I look forward to hearing from you. Yeah, absolutely. And we look forward to continuing your journey. So thank you so, so much once again, Kush. It's an absolute pleasure having you on the show. But from all of us on the Legally Speaking podcast, wishing you lots of continued success with the firm and your career. But for now, over and out. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you like the content here, why not check out our world-leading content and collaboration hub, the Legally Speaking Club, over on Discord. Go to our website, www.legallyspeakingpodcast.com for the link to join our community there. Over and out.